Welcome to the Chop Liver Podcast. We're your hosts, Amay and Elise. And today we are talking to photographer and graphic designer Adele De Beer. Welcome, Adele. Thanks for being on the podcast with us. Hey, guys. Um, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here with you today. And we're happy to have you. Um, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? I am a photographer and graphic designer. I am self-employed. I do have a BA in visual communication um, where I dabbled in photography and graphic design. Did you know you always wanted to be a photographer and a graphic designer like from high school or is it something that kind of grew over time? It's something that actually grew over time because actually to think back now throughout my childhood I was always that child who my parents and even my siblings thought was who was going to be a CA or an accountant have an office job and everything like that nine to five and it's actually quite ironic how that didn't work out completely the opposite side of the spectrum now with photography and graphic design and the creative side and not the like office desk job exactly You studied at Open Window in Centurion. Do you think that if you want to pursue a career in photography, graphic design, or any other form of creativity, you need to go study it at an institution? Or can you just learn it on the job? I think there's like, that's a 50-50 because people have their own thoughts and opinions about varsity because a lot of people out in the industry, creative industry, who are self-taught. But from my perspective, I think that it was a really big advantage to go to varsity because with that, I was able to network and not just be thrown into the deep end and I need to fend for myself. There was lecturers who would help me and friends and everything like that who supported me. Um, So yeah, I would say there's a lot of benefits for going to varsity, studying at varsity from a creative point. That also means that you take away experience from going to varsity because now someone who has just started, they already started having the experience with the job and everything like that, where out of varsity, yes, you have three years with varsity, but now you don't have any experience. So that's also quite a tricky way because every time you want to apply for a job, you need three years experience, but where are you going to get that experience? And uh, would you say that that's the thing that you gained the most from studying there? What would you say is the biggest gain from studying at Open Window particularly? I'll say the biggest gain is definitely networking. You get to know so many people in the industry and you learn so much because especially with the photography side, they... With Open Window, you almost had to cover a wide range of skill sets within photography. So lifestyle, portrait, product photography, interior photography, you name it. We were basically taught how to do everything. So once we have found our niche, we could enter the industry with a portfolio and everything like that to actually start getting clients and jobs and everything. So they do prepare you with that. And with the networking, they almost introduced to people in the industry who are well known so then it's up to you to actually take that further it allows you to get that foot in the door from the get-go I think it is a bit tricky to kind of maybe out of high school okay I'm going to become a full-time photographer but I think it's difficult to navigate where to actually go and who to turn to for advice or at least you can sometimes go back to those people and get the advice from there 
Exactly, because that's also, it's very difficult to be like, okay, hey, I got a camera, let's start shooting. Where if you've, like, say that you've gone to open window, you can approach people and be like, listen, I studied at open window, I have a degree, do you mind if I spend the day with you? It's not like a complete stranger, you just be like, hey, I just bought a camera yesterday, can I spend the day with you? <laughs> but if you didn't have the opportunity to go and study at an institution, like, you're going to have to suck it up and go be that person who is like, I just got a camera, I want to learn stuff, right? Exactly. So, like I said, there's not a downside if you want to just buy a camera and be a photographer and all that, but it's more challenging because you don't have that foot in the door to other photographers and other people in the industry and things like that. The foundation. And so since your time at Open Window, um, you've had your day jobs and you're finding your feet in the creative world. But you've then also started your own company, Adele Studios, where you offer all your um, amazing services. Why did you decide to work as a freelancer in your own company rather than working for someone else? I do rather like working for myself, hands down, because <laughs> you make your own choices and decisions and your own timeline sometimes. To actually backtrack, I actually worked at a printing company called Adphoto after Varsity um, for about a year. And from working with them, I also saw how the industry worked and everything like that, the photography and printing side. And that also I've networked there a lot. And then one day I actually just decided, let me do my own thing. Because I had quite a few side jobs from working at it photo. And I thought, let me just take this further and just do my own thing and start my own company. And have you found it a difficult experience just kind of starting with it and getting it going? Um, it was a very difficult thing because not earning a salary per se was very frightening. <laughs> but I had a lot of support um, with family and friends. So that actually helped me not give up on my um, own job and everything. I think that's a big thing with starting anything in creative fields, the lesson of not giving up. Because I think there are so many ups and downs, sometimes more downs than ups. But you never know what's going to happen. You never know what the next job is going to lead to. So you kind of just keep pushing and seeing what happens. Exactly. And if it's your passion, you will make it work. You mustn't always focus on the financial sides. Um, obviously, you do have bills to pay and everything, but you you make it work. <laughs> you big borrow and steal. <laughs> Maybe not steal. <laughs> um, so do you want to give us some insights into how the industry actually works? The industry is very saturated at the moment, so you almost need to be persistent. <laughs> so, for instance, I assist a lot of wedding photographers, so how that worked, um, obviously through networking, but if you want to, if you really like those photographers' work and you really want to get to know how they do it and the behind the scenes and everything like that, you actually just send them a message or give them a phone call because everyone has their cell phone number somewhere on the internet. <laughs> so if you really want to learn something, you just need to put your foot in the door and phone that person and be like, listen, do you mind me just coming to spend the day with you? And the big thing is that you mustn't expect money. You won't be like, oh, I'm going to come be your assistant. Please pay me 2,000 rand for the day because that's also not how you're going to be liked in the industry because if you're just going to be money driven and not um kind of wanting to learn these skills yes exactly 
Yeah, it's in a way like what you're saying. It's kind of like a guild or apprenticeship. That's yes. an age-old thing of creatives learning by experience and working under a master, and then you'll learn these skills and techniques. And that's quite fascinating to understand about photography, like how you learn how to do different different things. It's always a question when you look at these photographs and there's this certain type of grading and you're like, how do these people get it like this? It's not just a sitting on the camera. It's obviously maybe going through Lightroom or whatever program you're using, but it's it's quite fascinating. I'm a, it must be for a photographer to learn those different skills. And would you not only learn in with shooting with them on site and would you also learn in post-production or would it be mainly just being at the event on the day? I take full advantage when I assist um, other photographers. I ask them questions. I ask them, what do you do if a client asks you X, Y, and Z? What do you do in post-production? How do you get this specific techniques? And another interesting thing with photography, like no photographer's work will look the same that it does now than the like first shoot that they ever done because there's progression in work and the progression in artists and everything like that and in the creative industry because you actually find your niche and your technique through through the years basically <laughs> as you're working it's also having a style develop over the years because i think all photographers like any art form you have a specific style whether that style exists um kind of shooting on the day or in post-production it's constantly developing. Exactly. And, it, and have you found that the same thing where it's like how you're shooting and how you're working in post-production has changed over the years? Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because you there's no point of you being like, oh, I really want to shoot like this person. I really want my work to look like this person because then you're not setting yourself out there than the rest of the people in the industry. You need to make yourself look unique and make people want to book you. And it's quite interesting with assisting all these other photographers and actually looking at photos on Pinterest and Instagram and everything like that, you actually, you grab like a little bit from everyone to make your own unique style, which I find so interesting. Like you almost, I don't know how to word that, but you take little bits and make it your own. (laughs) You're finding the inspiration from all these other people. And I think all creatives do that. I mean, you'll look at like, okay, I love the style of Picasso and I'm a Rothko, but I mean, just bind them together and you're kind of feeding off of that you're not necessarily copying that work but it's inspiration that drives you and drives your passion for it Mm -hmm. it's like that book um steal like an artist which we should do in the next book review episode by austin cleon but um are you the type of photographer that will always have a camera around your neck waiting for the for the right moments and the right shot and if you're not what kind of photographer are you i won't say that i'm the type of photographer who if I go to the shops I'm gonna have my camera on me (laughs) also because it's dangerous like in South Africa you're gonna lose your camera very quickly (laughs) exactly um but I would say that I'm more of a documentative photographer like I don't want to be like um at a wedding like four shots so I want to capture the day and everything like that on how the day is run so I want to be like, oh, stop, can you quickly come stand here and hold, stand like this and put your foot like this and your hand like that? Because that almost gets annoying for the, not just me, but also the person I'm photographing. It must almost flow naturally. When you tell people you're a, f- a photographer um, for a living, what do they normally say in response to that? They kind of look at you funny and then they ask you, what's your full-time job? Because <laughs> people don't think you could actually earn a full-time salary just on photography um where that can go either way as well because depends how 
you also market yourself because if you're not shooting often enough obviously you're not going to make enough money to pay your bills and that to be a full-time job but that's also for me personally why I have the graphic design that I can also um, lean towards and I sometimes incorporate the two of them kind of a balancing yes. act between the two to kind of reach that that point in the month where you can pay your bills where it's a successful day job for you Exactly. And especially with photography, you must always learn to upsell as well, because there's so many other little pieces where you can actually bring in money from just that one client. Like you can sell albums, prints, you can do like so many other things worth combining your graphic design to the photography. And I I would imagine that it has to be quite a structured day. Like you have maybe not, let's call it an eight hour day, which I'm sure it's more because editing and all this stuff takes a long time but you would need to have quite a structured day and work out exactly how many jobs you need to do or how many things if you're not getting full shoots what you need to do to to make up that income I'm sure you like set a target for yourself and know this is what I need to achieve in a month yeah to get where you want to be so is that you say that that's yeah I'll say that it is quite important to actually set yourself targets um Otherwise, it's very easy just to lie in bed until 11 o'clock and not actually do anything. (laughs) But me personally, I wake up every morning um, and I pretend I have a full-time job from 9 to 5. I do what I need to have done. I try to speak to as many people as I can during the month because if you're not speaking to anyone, who's going to give you an opportunity to photograph something? Um, Like, for instance, I'm taking photos of blankets right now for a client called Nuru. If I don't put myself out there and say, okay, let's do this, let me take photos for you, let's have a trial run, and from that, that actually created more work. So that's quite a good lesson to learn. And also don't think that your one client is just going to be one client. Your one client can always be more than just that one shoot. So that's also something to keep in mind. Mm, and they'll recommend you as well to other people. People will see those photographs and be like, who took these nice pictures for you? They need a model. Elise can mm. model for them because she models the blankets <laughs> as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what would, you, what would you say have been some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome while working in the commercial creative field? hurdles that I have to overcome obviously there's financial hurdles because yeah you don't get a pay slip every on the 25th day of the month and then I would also say client expectations to meet client expectations because as a photographer you come into the shoot you think your client wants this thing because you've spoken about it obviously and then after you've delivered the photos the clients will be like this is not what I expected so it's a bit of a a hard pull to swallow when clients are like that. So that's why it's also important, sorry, off topic now, to actually track via email and not like just a phone call and state exactly what the photographer said they wanted and show them reference photos and everything like that. So you actually have a foot to stand back on. It's also like my own demon that I have to fight <laughs> or hurt my own hurdles because sometimes you also think that, oh no, the person's not going to like this and what are they not going to like this what am I going to do to make it better and things like that and then the client actually loves it so you actually like beat yourself up inside um you must almost stay true to who you are and what you do and actually believe that what you're doing is fine and good enough because the client absolutely loves it that is something that a lot of I think not just creative people I think everyone struggles with that is you're putting a lot of work into something and I think especially within a creative field it's not just you handing in a report. 
no matter what type of creative thing you do, you a bit of yourself exists within it. You give a lot of your time and your energy and your emotions into it. There is always that worry that you've just put all of this energy into it and the client's just going to be like, nah, I don't really like this. And it is very, it's very demotivating. Yeah, and it's difficult because now your client doesn't like it, but now you already spent eight hours doing it. And now you question yourself, do I charge you for those eight hours that I've already done it, but they hate it? So it's like a whole loop circle, the never-ending circle of doom, basically. It's quite interesting what you're saying. I hate that word interesting, so we need to find another word. It's curious what you're saying. Like, do you charge them for that? What you're saying about having the reference photos, having a very clear expectation, saying, listen, this is actually what we discussed. Have you had people, like, not wanting to pay you or not wanting to... Have you been in that situation? Because um. that's quite a, a service... And you can easily say, I'm not going to charge you for this, but yeah, what do you do? So I haven't, like, that's also my demon. I No clients have not said that they won't pay me. But my guilty conscience be like, but you don't like it. How can I charge you eight hours for something that you don't like? But my support of my family always tell me, you must, you must know your worth and you must charge your time. Because if you did not just do those eight hours of work and your client okay, yes, I don't like it, but maybe that's one step closer that to find a, a common ground because now you're, you know, okay, my client doesn't like this, let's try something completely out different. What also happens when you kind of have those clients, I know you said once that a client said, okay, I want this, this, and this, and this. And then you kind of give them what they want and it's not really what they wanted. And it's normally clients that have no real concept of what a creative process is like they struggle to articulate what they want because they don't have that creative language to explain what they want. So it's like, okay, I want a website and I want it to be minimal and I want this color scheme, but they don't really know how to articulate that. And I think it's finding the language to speak to people that don't have that creative language. Like you have to break it down in a way that they understand. Yeah, you need to break it down so a normal person would understand because even if an accountant had to come speak to me about numbers I'll be like hold up can you please speak to me like I'm in grade two so I can understand <laughs> so not to say that you must speak to people like they're idiots but almost make it understandable for whoever picks up that paper who can know what the final product would look like so all of this experience that you've gained and I mean you are quite new in the field I mean you're working for, for two three years now um is there any experience that you can give new photographers and designers and how best to kind of approach these problems with clients and just in general your day-to-day -day working as a photographer and as a creative? The number one advice that I'll give someone who's just starting out, obviously don't give up, just keep on going and be persistent. And if, for instance, you don't have a client, um, pretend you do have a client and still post on social media and things like that so people can see that you're busy and that you're active more advice that I can give to people just starting out the more you shoot the better you're going to get and the more practice you get even if you don't have a client to design a corporate identity for make a client up and design something and make the world perceive to think that you're actually busy because no one's going to book someone who's going to be like I've only designed two corporate identities for people let pay me I don't know how much um, to do your corporate identities and with that, you must all stay true to yourself and think, know that you're good enough to actually get the job done. And then with um, difficult clients, you must just 
be honest because the second you start being iffy or anything like that, you must stay true to yourself because the second you start like doubting yourself, your client's going to doubt you and not kind of lose their trust in what you're the product that you're giving them. Exactly. So for instance, if your client doesn't want to pay, you'd be like, you break it down and be like, I spent this much time on this, this much time on this. And you must actually track your hours on your computer because you get apps and stuff that can do that. So you can actually back yourself up. And then you must never be nasty as well to your client because you never know if they're still going to book you or who they else are going to speak to because that whole networking thing as well. So rather be honest and like, well, just be happy. Do Be an excitement mean person, an excited mean person basically. And professional. I mean, you're yeah. protecting your brand. Like you, it's a business arrangement. If they are going to be difficult, you, they must be what they w- will be and you'll be calm and professional and deal with it the way that your brand allows for you know exactly. you're not going to be like bitchy sue <laughs> and you know then say well i don't care because you should care you know you should care what your clients is and at the end of the day like obviously you want to have a happy client who's happy with your work so you must always try compromise as well if your clients be like oh no i really don't like um the way my makeup looks on this photo, you'll be like, no problem, I can try edit it. And if you don't like the edited version, we could try reshoot it. It'll be this much to reshoot. So there's always solutions to problems. There's not be like, oh, I'm going to throw my towel in. Maybe here's another photographer's number. Go contact them. No, like you must always try problem solve and things like that. Because um, I actually have a corporate shoot that I did last week where a client was like, oh, no, I don't like the photos. The person's makeup is too hectic or whatever. And I was like, um, every photo kind of looks like that, but I can always try soften the makeup for you instead. Instead of me being like, sorry, do you want your money back and do you want to use another photographer? Totally. Never give them another photographer. No. Like, don't do that. No, that's a that's a good thing to keep yeah. in mind. Like, don't, don't give away your business on purpose. Um, how did you find the lockdown? I mean, since you are predominantly a photographer working with people, um, it must have limited you... Um, lockdown was really difficult for the photography because photography, it's a luxury. Like, especially lifestyle photography, you're not just going to be like, oh, I need to book a family shoot this weekend because it's not a need. So it was quite difficult because I hardly had any bookings. I actually had to find like other means of income. Um, so I've actually started a whole candle company. Um, so I'm making and selling soy candles. <laughs> so that's quite exciting. But also I'm very fortunate in my position. I don't have a lot of expensive each month. Um, so I actually don't like technically have to close down shop and things like that. So I'm quite grateful for that. I would say photography is a need, you know, without that documentation, I think I've certainly realized in the digital age, like how important photographs are. Because I remember when we were small, you'd always have your Kodak or whatever, and you'd go print out your 30 photographs after you went to um, the sea or whatever. But now we don't actually have any printed matter. It's all on your phone, and your phone gets stolen, or your iCloud is full, and you never really look at those photographs. So I would say like those memories are quite quite important. That's, that's true. But I think just during this pandemic, like people... Not, that's not on their priority list at the moment. So if you don't have the money to spend, you're not. But I completely agree with you. Those me- memories are important. And also people don't print their photos 
anymore. Like it's quite sad. Like it's just on your phone and you go look at it maybe once a year where it's actually nice to have a printed photo where you go back and page to an album or something like that and actually relive those memories. So we're going to regret it when we're older and you want to see what you looked like when you were 24 or 30 or whatever <laughs> it is and you're like 16. Like, oh, I used to look like that. Exactly. But uh, also we're going back to having photography. If Is it a need or a want? It's also depending on what kind of photography because obviously if you need a photo for a billboard or your company or whatever that's going to bring sales in, then obviously it's a need. So there's so many spectrums of photography in the industry. So it's quite interesting to think about that. I think there's a big difference between you wanting the need of one needing a family shoot and the need for a business. It can vary so much, but you photograph quite a huge range of things from products to portraits to family shoots. I mean, I know you've done baby shoots, interiors, artworks. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But your main focus has been wedding photography. And I know we briefly touched on it in the beginning. And what led you into that direction and why have you made that your focus? So yeah, I do have quite a wide variety of photographic skills, I can say that. But yeah, I've leaned more towards the wedding industry because oh, just it just puts a smile on my face every time I think about weddings and the love between couples. Um, it is quite a long day, but it's so rewarding at the end of the day. You have just made memories for that couple for the rest of their lives and even their children's lives are going to go back and look at that Weddings are amazing, they're beautiful, and it's such a happy day. And I love to document the day because each wedding is different, each couple is different, and the weather's different every day. So it's also nice for weddings because it's not like, oh, I know what settings my camera is going to be at this time of day. Like it's quite challenging. I take the day as it comes and I try to photograph as much as I can <laughs> to document the day and the memories. And like I said, it's a very documentary style that I have. I don't want to force people to do things I don't want to do. I just take the day as I come. And then with weddings, it's also quite structured because I do set up a timeline for myself and the, the bridal couple just to make sure that we get all the shots done and everything like that. Would you say that you're project managing a lot of the, the day of the photographs for them, like you remind them what to do? Because I know at a wedding, it's like quite hard to remember all the things that you have to, all the photos you have to get with your family and all of that. So do you, would you project manage that for them or how do um, you manage that? I would say that the photographer, well, me myself, does manage the day because everything revolves around um, the time of the ceremony and the time the couple shoot needs to be taken because you can't really take beautiful couple shoots at night. So everything is structured around the photographer. If, for instance, if anyone wants to know what's happening, they always speak to the photographer and vice versa. So if the photographer will send out a timeline on the day for the day for the coordinator to know what's happening, where, what needs to be at that time and things like that. One thing that we wanted to talk about is that everyone seems to be a professional photographer these days with their fancy three lens, 108 megapixel front and back cameras. So what is the difference between what everyone else can do and what you can do? <laughs> these fancy phone cameras can actually do quite a lot. Like I'm quite impressed how the, the phone has evolved over such a short period of time. But yeah, I'm actually currently shooting with a Canon mirrorless R camera the specs on it is quite high and I feel like yeah you could take 
like anyone could actually take a photo, but I feel like the experience that the person has behind the camera makes a big difference. Because now if you want to take a photo of that tree outside, it's going to look much different than someone who's never picked up a camera before than an actual professional photographer. Because as a photographer, you learn how things move, how the light works on objects and things like that. For instance, the rule of thirds. I don't know if a lot of people know the rule of thirds with photography. Your subject needs to be in a certain spot on the frame. And don't want to give away all your secrets, (laughs) I can tell. So often like that, because of how fancy the phones have become and how the technology has just boomed. I mean, I hear advertisements on phones and the first thing that they're trying to push is like, look at our fancy camera. You have three lenses, this many megapixels. I'm like, that's cool. I want my phone to take great photos. But I've noticed that some people just can't take good photos. Um, For example, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in my studio. Okay, I really need like a nice shot. So I'm asking who's ever's there. And and I'm like, okay, we'll just take a photo of me doing this. And like, okay, we'll send me the photo. I'm like, it's just the wrong angles. It's just not working. It's not what you expected. It's not what I expected of like a good photo for me now to post on Instagram. And is this a real life scenario? This is a real life scenario. Ooh, I careful. can't out the person directly. Um, <laughs> but I think you develop an eye. And I think even if it's not necessarily you're going to have your fancy phone or your fancy camera. But I think if you don't have that eye or what specifically you need to look at look at the lighting, look at how the object or the person is standing in the frame and what is in the background. I think if you can't discern what those aspects need to be, I think that is where the difference lies. Exactly. And then also, um, just to touch up on that, if, for instance, even, yeah, anyone can take a photo of an object and whatever, but it's also the setup. So if you're going to go put a, let's say, a Coke can in the direct sunlight, it's going to obviously have a ugly shadow next to it and things like that so it's also thinking of where you want to take those photos and also with for instance wedding photography now you almost need to predict the day almost like five steps ahead okay the bride's walking out the chapel now she's going to walk there so you must almost be 10 five steps ahead of whatever you're doing so that's also quite something to um, think about because not an ordinary person is not going to think okay now in five minutes time where's the bride going to stand or where's this person going to stand and almost you need to predict the day and be very observant about your surroundings as well when taking photos and even a family shoot you may be taking a nice portrait of the mom and dad over there but be right behind you something really cute is happening with the grandchildren and things like that so you almost need to be on your toes as well That makes me think of, I'm in a wedding photo of a friend of ours where she's posing beautifully with her grandmother and I'm walking past pulling the ugliest face, which just ruins the photo. And they still decided to put that up on social media. It's not about you, Elise. Not not everything is about you, okay? They didn't mind your ugly face. Exactly, but you must ask your friend to send that photo. I can always Photoshop Photoshop you out the background. Photoshop me out of the photo. So would you say, we did touch on this a little bit earlier, but do you think the type of camera makes a difference? Because now you're getting mirrorless, you're getting DSLR, you're getting film, you're getting cell phone cameras. Um, I do think the type of camera makes a difference for the individual. Because, for instance, I'm not a big fan of Nikon cameras. The settings and everything just confuse me. Um, So I think it's per preference. 
like you, I really like the mirrorless camera because of the weight and the specs and the lenses that it offers. Where a Canon 5D Mark IV has the same specs and everything, but it's much heavier and things like that. And just the difference on the quality of camera. So the more expensive it is better, but it allows more light, the sharpening is precise and things like that. So produces a better photo at the end of the day. Um, not to say that a 70D won't, it's just the specs allow you to do so much more with a better camera. But I think also that if you have the foundation things of how to take this good photograph and you have an eye and you've learned all this stuff, like actually using a crappy disposable camera, you'll still get a good picture Obviously not as good as your mirrorless, fancy mirrorless camera, mm-hmm. but you, it's still, it's amazing what you can do with um, uh, just like a simple camera. And it's the same with kind of art materials as well. You don't need the fanciest sketchbook and the fanciest pencils and brushes to make a great exactly. work, um, which is, yeah, good, quite interesting. And just, yeah. Yeah. no, you're going to, it's a great picture, but if you have the right tools, then obviously that just enhances what you're really able to do. Exactly. And that's way to touch up on the points about experience and things like that. Like you could obviously use whatever medium that you need to get the job done. It also hits back on what we just spoke about, about experience and knowing what the photo is going to look like in the outcome and things like that. It's also interesting there, just in terms of learning how to look at things at ORMS, at their photography school, uh, Lauren Tienison has a course where they only work with cell phone cameras and I think it's like you can actually use something like your cell phone to take really beautiful photos but it's learning how to look at things and I think that is so interesting that they offer that module within their course it's like it's not necessarily about this camera that you have but if you look correctly if you know lighting if you know your subject matter you can still come up with a beautiful photograph. And I think a lot of people, they're buying all these fancy phones for the camera. So it's actually quite nice to have a course like that where people can actually learn how to take a nice photo. And even I've heard a lot of stories about photographers who cameras actually bomb out on a wedding day. And then they just ask guests, okay, who has an iPhone 11 or who has a fancy ass camera? And then they take that phone for the rest of the day and they start taking photos. I've even seen in some music videos where they started like this was all filmed on an iPhone 11, which blows my mind that they have the technology in this tiny little thing to produce high quality like production value. But I still love my mirrorless. Can't argue with that. But um, I think that's it for today. Adele, thank you so much for talking to us. And it's been wonderful hearing more about you and your practice. But that leads us to the doodle challenge. The doodle challenge. The doodle Doodle challenge. challenge. So we received such great feedback from all of you from our doodle challenges. So we're just going to keep doing it. Adele, we'll let you choose the this episode's doodle challenge theme. And what would you like it to be? Um, let's say that this episode's theme has to revolve around portraiture or portraits. So when you think of portraits, what do you think of? It can be an equipment used to create a portrait. It can be your actual portrait. It can even be a portrait of your most loved pet. Um, it's all up to you. 
we've got something very exciting is yeah, super exciting the prize you can prize. win so generous like i really did not expect this and we went we were not going to give a prize for this no but challenge. adele has been so amazing you guys are going to love this prize and if you do not send us a doodle you are going to miss out and you can't win the prize like yeah. understand you want to win the prize send us a doodle adela can you please let the listeners know what the prize is going to be so the prize for this doodle challenge is a 50 percent off on a, a mini photo shoot um so that could be anything from lifestyle shoot with your family or your your partner or whatever or it can be uh a corporate shoot so if you want a new linkedin profile picture or even a facebook profile picture that could even be added to that so and on adele's blog that you can find on our website please go check that out it's going to be all about why you should hire a professional photographer but all the terms and conditions for the voucher will also be on there yeah so i just want to let you everybody all the listeners know like what the terms of our doodle challenge just in case it's not clear is that um all entries all of our entries that we receive are placed in hats and we're gonna scramble that hat and then we're gonna pull one name out of that hat and then that person wins the challenge it's not about who's the best at drawing we just want as many people as possible to believe in themselves to make sure that they can tap into the inner child and make a doodle and connect with us so that's how it's going to work you can follow Adele on her Instagram page which is Adele Studios and if you ever need any graphic design or photography help or questions please reach out Um, and then you can also find out more about her on our website choppedliversociety.com and there as Elise said uh, also going to be a blog with more details and why it is important to hire professional photographers But I think that's the end of it. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks. For more information on the platform, visit our website, choppedliversociety.com and like us on Facebook and Instagram and bring your friends. And this podcast was produced by Jonathan Bell at Bell Studios in Johannesburg.